fourth season of Trends and Tensions presented by BHDP, where we discuss trends in architectural and interior design and the competing priorities or tensions that arise from integrating new ideas into existing organizations, enterprises, and institutions. This episode, Designing Space for Esports, a Growing Campus Phenomena, Part 1, we are joined by Phil Alexander of Miami University and AJ Medina, a senior architect at BHDP. Phil, who is co-founder and co-director of Miami's Varsity Esports and an assistant professor of game studies, has been instrumental in bringing the university to the forefront of this emerging collegiate sport. More than three years ago, AJ, Phil, and a team from both BHDP and Miami began developing a -a one-of-a-kind space for Miami students to compete, gather, and break down barriers. This episode was recorded in that completed space. I'm your host, Brian Trainer, Senior Strategist for BHDP, and this is part one of a two-part series. So we're here at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, and we're talking about esports. Tell us a little bit, for those who may not know, what is esports, and maybe why did Miami decide to invest in it? Esports is competitive gaming, so that's usually where I start, so that people can kind of get a feel for it. Uh, sometimes we wonder if we should have avoided the word sports when we started <laughs> doing this. At the very beginning, it seemed like the right idea to call it esports, and Sometimes people will say, oh, you mean like Madden and NBA 2K? And I was like, well, sometimes, but there's actually this whole set of games you're probably not thinking of that actually fall into the esports umbrella. So in terms of how we got started, it was actually because of a student. It's been, gosh, almost six years. Time sure flies. (laughs) But we had a kind of burgeoning esports club, and one of the students, Stellanie Cirillis, who now works for Riot Games, came to us and said, Robert Morris University, which is an online university based in Chicago, I believe, somewhere in Illinois, had just started Varsity Esports. Why don't we have Varsity Esports? And at Miami, we kind of like that why don't we question. It's like, hmm, why aren't we doing this? And so she came to me. I did a bunch of research in World of Warcraft as part of my dissertation. So I was kind of the natural online games person. And we tried to figure out why we weren't doing it. And the answer was just that no one had tried. We were the first Division I athletic school to actually offer varsity esports. There were five other schools when we started. There were 278 when I looked the other day. Wow. So the space has grown immensely since we got started. But in terms of support from the university, I think what they saw is that we were in a space where there were very few leaders and we were kind of pushing towards something really interesting. And so when President Crawford saw what we were doing, he just really went all in. He is now the the sitting chair of Esports Collegiate, which is an esports league that started through the Mid-American Conference, but they aren't completely connected. And we actually have some schools from outside that have joined in the past year. So. You know, Phil, I want to highlight something that you said. 270-some is the number you Mm -hmm. just looked up. When I was researching in May, so closing out the spring semester, it was about 213. So that's a net growth over the summer of 50 colleges and universities, hired institutions that have joined the esports realm and really see the value and the importance of having uh, competitive esports on their campus. What are the competitive titles that your varsity team is playing in right now? So we have varsity teams in seven games right now. So we have League of Legends, Overwatch, Hearthstone, Rainbow Six Siege, CSGO, Super Smash Brothers, and Rocket League. Oh, Rocket League. So yeah, it's a, it's a <laughs> wide it's a wide spectrum. 
And the thing that I like about the set of games we have is that we kind of have one game you can use for each different kind of audience to get them to understand what you're doing. So if you're a person who is really interested in esports but you don't have the quick reaction time, I can sit you in front of Hearthstone and you, know, you can play on your phone with a horrible connection and still be playing real time. And if you are thinking of it as sports, you know, there's Rocket League and it's just soccer with cars. Yes. Yeah. And so if you want to play on a little console, we can bring in a couple of Switches and we can play Smash. Yeah, Rocket League is an interesting game because it's not just soccer with cars. Sometimes it's basketball with cars, too. Yeah. It's, it's fun because you don't have to be good at it to have fun. Right. But I guess you would have to be good at it to be on a varsity team, right? So, it uh, is so astonishing to see how good some of these players are. <laughs> and I think that's the difference, you know. And I think that's also what makes esports so interesting for, like, a college community. I can bring students in that are at any level and they can compete. But then if they want to get good, I can put them up against people that you know, are nationally ranked. I was curious, Phil, too. Are there positions? Is there like a captain? Like, how does esports organize compared to like traditional sports that I un may or may not understand? So it kind of varies by game. Uh -huh. Almost every team has a captain or what ends up being called a shot caller, even if it's a game like Rocket League where technically you're not shooting something. There's someone who's kind of organizing what you do. But some games have very specific positions. So like if you look at Overwatch, there are two tanks, two people who are DPS, which is damage per second. Their goal is to actually kind of score the points. And there's two people who are support, who are either healing or like buffing, which means they're making your skills better. I come from that world of like playing World of Warcraft or like Ultima Online to really date myself. And so my sense of support and then like a shooter sense of support are very different. And Brian, that brings up the point of how much this industry has changed over the years. You know, when we imagine gaming and esports on a university campus, we're thinking of a couple of college students maybe in a lounge, probably in their residence hall, staying up till two in the morning with way too much popcorn and bang energy drinks. That's not what we're talking about here with esports. We're talking very organized, very direct play, very guided play as well. There's coaching, there are online virtual coaches with video on demand playback, just like basketball teams will review game film to really learn the strategy of each game and improve the player's performance at a competitive, at a top tier competitive level. Yeah, and what's interesting, thanks, Jay, for clarifying on that, because it has changed a lot from what I understood gaming to be back when I was in school, where it was just, you know, everybody on their own computer. We're sitting in a room recording this, and since it's podcast, just to describe it, you know, you've got six computers on one side facing six computers on the other in a branded room. I see the Miami logo, you know, there's red on the wall, you've got red LEDs. This space was designed specifically for teams to play against each other, but in the same room. So is, is that one component of eSports, that, that the teams actually come together, that it's not remote? Yeah, Brian, it's interesting, particularly coming off of COVID, the way things have changed a lot for eSports. So the whole kind of idea of the scene is that people love to come together. So you typically see what's called a LAN, even though they're not really local area networks anymore, but people still use that term for it. Where as many gamers as possible will come together for an event. Uh, our club does one like once a month, I and mean, they haven't for a long time because of COVID, but before that, they take pretty much the entire third floor of the building we're in now. So any place where there's open space, they'd have computers, they have like 250 machines set up and people are just going nuts up there. Wow. So that's kind of the aspirational version of it. 
but you don't really have to be in the same place. I mean, as we found during the pandemic, our teams didn't even have to be in the same room together. And they perform a lot better if they're all in one place because they can talk to each other without the headsets. And it's just kind of nice to be around each other. But we didn't need them to be here. And we certainly don't need our competitors to be in the same place. What we have found in the college spaces, there's kind of an equilibrium now that it's sort of okay for us to be in places. Usually the, the finals of events, so like the last eight or the last four teams will come to a geographic location and play together. Okay. And so that's kind of the reason for the space that has you know, a place for that to happen. There isn't really a venue outside of Columbus in the state to do this. So we've, we've already talked to some high schools about coming in. And obviously, uh, I mentioned eSports Collegiate earlier. There'll be some eSports Collegiate competitions here. But like the ideal and the reason that this is designed the way it is, you can see there's also a camera up on the wall, is that not only do we want to have events where there's another team here, but we can also broadcast that. And so it has that kind of more professional feel, which is something you're starting to see on campuses. But uh, other than Boise State, UC Irvine, and then what we're doing here, you don't really see a lot of this yet. So there's almost feel a duality between the in real life, the digital gameplay, and, and maybe three-sided, right, with the casting and the audience, the streaming online. So you could have a casting party, and in fact, just outside of this room, the university invested in a large, I think it's a 96-inch display, so they're right outside where there's couches and stuff. The students can gather together here in the student center and watch their team play just as if it was any regular traditional sport while their competitors are in the room competing against another school in the conference that they're hosting or or whatever other competition while just beyond on, on the other side of the room through the glass wall in the room that we're sitting in is the casting space where the broadcasters cast casting short for broadcasting the casters can stream the event online both to the watch room nearby and all over campus and all over globally via a social media platform such as Twitch. 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 Yeah, Twitch. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. <laughs> such as Twitch. How are students interacting during the event? You said some are watching on monitors. I mean, this room, there's, it's not like an auditorium. There's not people sitting in chairs watching. So this is two parts. I want to know how students interact during the event that are in the room and then what's that like off campus are you seeing a big following for your esports team yeah it's really interesting to look at because there's so many different ways and we're just starting to use the new space so we're going to have kind of an evolution of that if you look outside and then across the way here it's like a buffalo wild wings with no bar the red zone the red zone yes yeah. and so the red zone is set to simulcast stuff so we can have people who are eating and they can actually be playing pool and watching the game at the same time so we have that space where people will be we also have the screen that AJ mentioned, but the largest part of our audience will still be on Twitch and they're all over campus and then all around the country. And it kind of amazes me how famous some of our players have become. Like I'll get, you know, messages for on Twitter from someone in Finland that was watching our match and like, why did why are you watching us exactly? <laughs> and then they tell me like, oh right, I forgot. We're really good at this. So it's it's really interesting to see, but one of our favorite numbers, we had more people watching our one Overwatch championship game than came to the football stadium the entire season two years ago. Whoa. And that's, that, Phil, that's actually a phenomenon that's going on right now. If you globally, and if you include 
professional and collegiate, mm -hmm. etc. There are more views for esports, more stream views than all professional sports combined. They surpassed it last year. Wow! So it's really esports is really taking off quite a bit now. Slightly unfair comparison to compare a four plus hour Super Bowl game to a five minute quick stream of a game, right? But if you, if you look at individual views, it's, it's far greater. That's interesting. I guess this is more for AJ. So you're saying there's not a lot of places like this in the country, even, you know, there's, this is what the only one in Ohio other than Columbus and then UC Irvine. How do you start designing a space like this? What are some of the things you think about when you're putting together a place for e-gaming? So this project was really unique. I'll answer that question a little differently. It took us actually several years of conversations of <laughs> what does it want to be? What are we trying to make here? And I think those conversations really paid for themselves. That investment was really great. The, the timing helped us out too, right? Because while we were building it, COVID happened. So we kind of bought ourselves mm -hmm. a little bit of time yeah. from needing to have it open and, and have students here in person. But those conversations really led to what I take a lot of pride in, what Miami's taken a lot of pride in, and what they are becoming known for, because word's gotten out about this facility, even though it just recently officially opened. And that is that having a place where people can gather together, where they can come together, share an interest, even though it is a digital interest, even though they can do it online and not necessarily meet in person ever, mm -hmm. People want to gather together. And so we focused on that quite a bit in our design. It's not just a bunch of computers stacked up against the wall. The players face each other, even within the team, they're arced so that they have good sight lines to their teammates in the space so that we can really highlight and excite the meeting of the human experience with the digital experience. That's one of the biggest things that we focus on. After that, it starts getting real technical real fast, right? Mm. It's a lot of very powerful computers that draw a lot of power. It's, it's what and kind of lighting. And produce a lot of heat. And yeah. produce a lot of heat, yes. <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and how do you control the lighting, both theatrical lighting, which we did in here, along with you know, natural light. You don't necessarily want to be in a cave all the time. Right now, we, we kind of mm -hmm. feel nice and bright. But yeah. you also want to be able to focus on your screen and go to work, right? Because that's, that's what they're doing. They're working. So, Thank you, AJ. But Phil, as you were going through the process of designing this, were there things that you that popped up that maybe you hadn't thought of? Or because you've been immersed in this world for a while, did you have a vision in mind or was it all bets were off? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. And I have to really just take my hat off if I were wearing one. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> to AJ and the team, this whole space began, when did you guys start? Three years ago? I think so. Yeah. I think it was about three years so ago. So about a year before that, so four years ago, I was sitting with Glenn Platt, my co-director, and I had just drawn on a napkin, like, this is the space we need. And it was, there was a square that said competition room, and then a square that said casting area, and a square that said public area. And so I knew what we needed, but there's the difference between me being immersed in the world and understanding that and having any understanding of architecture and design tech. It was like, I know we need 12 computers and people need to be able to see each other and it needs to be dynamic and awesome. And we need a small space where people can be able to broadcast and then we need a big space so that everyone who wants to play has a place to go. And so seeing it now, like I was telling one of our coaches the other day, it's like, it's amazing to sit in this room and to think, you know, there was a napkin from 
I think it was B-dubs we were sitting <laughs> There's a, a napkin with a drawing and then like notes on the side. And, and now it's this. So it's really, it's amazing. Do you still have that napkin? I think I do. I should probably frame it. Yes. I would recommend that. Thank you for joining Trends and Tensions, presented by BHDP, for this episode, Designing Space for Esports, a Growing Campus Phenomenon, Part 1, with Phil Alexander of Miami University and AJ Medina of BHDP. If you appreciate what you've heard, please rate, subscribe, and give us a review. I'm Brian Trainer, your host, and I hope you'll join us for another episode of Trends and Tensions to see what topics drive design.